Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef, Jason Cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Why did I say that so fast, ladies and gentlemen? Because we're talking a fast food movie. We're talking the birth of McDonald's. We're talking The Founder, starring Michael Keaton as Ray Kroc, that guy that swindled the McDonald's brothers. This movie is awesome. And joining me to talk this movie, just like the two previous movie episodes, which were The Big Night, or just, I'm sorry, Big Night, and The Last Temptation of Christ, Brian Rodriguez, my co-host for P.S. I Love Hoffman, P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, and host of his own show, High School Slumber Parties, one of my oldest and dearest friends. We're talking about this phenomenal movie. We're talking, well, we're dreaming about where we will first visit once we can get back to a little bit of a normal world. So here we go, me talking with Brian. You are, I think I think it's safe to say now you're like my unofficial co-host. We joked about it. <laughs> uh, we joked about it with The Last Temptation. I think Manzi brought it up. Or you said something, and he was like, really? Or I don't know. It was something like that. But with me again is Brian Rodriguez. He calls me his unofficial co-host on his show. Yes. Um, but I haven't been on too often this year, like maybe once or twice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to help out any way I can and talk food and talk films and, and uh, you know, just be a part of it. Hey, you know, I, I we salute our healthcare workers. We know that, healthcare heroes. But I'm not one of them. I'm home. I'm ready to watch movies and talk about them. Yes, this is someone, you know, said to me recently, they're like, well, you kind of got the, you know, the perfect podcast for what's going on right now. It's, you know, a food film based podcast. And what are people doing (laughs) right now? They're watching a lot of movies and they're eating a lot of food. So, yeah, the only shame of it is like to oversimplify this podcast as just those two things would would be silly because it's also an experience podcast. That's why it was such a radical idea, right? Because. So much more of the food is there's so much more to food than cooking, obviously, and cooking at home. There's the uh, ambiance, and that's what I miss the most. Like going out, and I mean, there's a lot of things I miss, but I miss going out to a specific place and having a specific meal at specific time with a specific person. You know, not yeah, here in my it, home anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to go out and to be, you know, like treated well and just 
being, you know, catered to. That's that's just, yeah, that ambiance factor. You know, we're not talking just like sconces on the wall and some, you know, exposed brick no, in a no, restaurant. No, 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 no. We're talking, yeah. Do you have, I, I, I don't recall if we, we've mentioned this. I mean, there was the big night and there was the last temptation, but is, is there a spot that you're like, as far as, I mean, a restaurant or maybe like a f- first place you really want to go to when maybe we start getting back to a little bit of normalcy? It's tough to say, right? Like, I'm overthinking this question because it's like, you know, <laughs> what what will it be? There's talk of, like, maybe restricting bars and restaurants only 10 people at a time, which is like, then that's not the same ambiance, you know? Yeah. But if we're over, let's just say they find out that, like, if you drink 10 cups of orange juice and say a Hail Mary, that, that this all goes away <laughs> tomorrow, you know? That's good because uh, I've been taking vitamin C pills, so. <laughs> uh, so, like, you and I have both been to this place, uh, Upstate. You know, I'm sure you've talked about it on the show. Yes, Upstate, uh, that's located on 1st in between, I think, 5th and 6th, like Lower East Side. Or, Lower or, East Side, East Village, for sure. Or, no, know. maybe it's Avenue A. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's owned, by, is, owned by Shane yeah, Covey. Yes, yes, a great place. Um I I don't know who did you recommend it to me? Did I recommend it? No, no, it to no. You, you recommended it. As as I, I will I've admitted this before, you are definitely as I live in a city that's called the Golden Door City, you're you are my you are my Golden Door friend. You open my world to many things and, and food is one of those many things. Yeah, no, I remember now. <laughs> I, I no not that. I'm just saying I remember now I had gone before you because I, I think the first time I went with Lauren our our, our one of our mutual friends, um Great place, but it's a small place, right? It's a small you know, place. Apart- take reservations is only your apartment's from, probably bigger. Yeah, is only open from I think like five to eleven. Minimal menu, but yeah, no, it's a great place. And when you took me there for the first time, there was we walked we walked in and there was a table about to open, and the um, what am I trying to say right now? I'm well, gonna, the I don't ba- say, oh, the bar, the part? hosts, yeah, the the. Uh, oh. Like the host, I was I was gonna say Mater D, but that place doesn't have a Mater D. <laughs> <laughs> the host, it's the host. That's what. Yeah, exactly, the host. So uh, she said, "Oh, would you like the table?" And you kind of looked and and you're like, well, "Let's wait for the bar." I'm like, oh, "The table's fine." You're like, "No, trust me, let's wait for the bar." And that's a place that, like, if you sit at the bar, I mean, you're treated well overall in the in the I establishment. Now, yeah. But if you're at oh, the yeah, bar, but... special things happen. Don't give away all our secrets, but you're right. <laughs> well, we'll put it this way. You know, the owner is very nice. He's very accommodating. Um, yeah, I think the first time that happened to me was probably a couple of weeks before that. I had gone with, you know, Lauren, our mutual friend. Then I went with another mutual friend of ours, Mike Rivera, and they couldn't seat us. They're like, do you want to sit at the bar? We're like, sure. And we just ah. drank a lot of good beer, ate a lot of good oysters, but... Even if even if Shane, the owner, is not behind the bar, the bartender, whoever it is, is so great. And you get to see the experience up there. You see them shucking. You see them doing all the cool stuff. And I, I just remember, like, if you're like, oh, I'm not sure what beer to get. They're like, hey, you want to try this one? Great. You know? Oh, that's an interesting oyster. Boom. Try it. Again, there's no guarantee you're going to get freebies. That's not the point. It's about what, what I said before. The ambiance, the experience. It's nice to have that personal connection with the people serving your food and drink. Yeah, you're just that much closer to just experiencing the passion that these guys have working there. And so it just it just kind of like overlaps if you're sitting at the bar and they're just so excited. They're like, 
hey, so, like, I've been kind of making, like, this new, like, sauce or, like, little tempanade to put on top of the oysters or, you know. I definitely, yeah. oh. I took a couple Ooh, of, you know, awesome. I had a couple of first dates there and uh, and they could tell <laughs> or whatever. And I, I wasn't going there enough that they remembered my face or whatever. So <laughs> uh, there was a few times that they were like, ah, here, have a, have a free dessert on us. And, you know, it's just, you know, something simple, like a nice shortbread cake or whatever, but it was... It was nice. They're very, they're very lovely there. Great date place as long as you know the date likes uh, oysters or even just like shellfish. Yeah. Or fish in general. I had a marlin there at my brother once. A marlin crudo, so good. It's like the Ooh. freshest stuff. You know that the menu changes pretty much every day, or at least it did. Who knows? You know, who knows what it's gonna uh, be like when things open up again? But to answer your question, that's a place that's been on my mind a lot for sure. Um, you know, you know me, you know what I like. I like going to literally upstate New York, you know. I like the Hudson Valley. Yeah. And of course, I like Long Island. You know, I'm a big uh, North Fork guy, if the, you would. The summers are always just so so busy. And so I'm curious as to, like, what's going to happen with this summer. Are, you know, like, are people going to be skeptical? Are people going to be so excited to go out right away that places are going to get full? Are these places going to allow to, you know, accommodate to their maximum occupancy, all these things. But yeah, we had a fun trip um, last summer up to the Cooperstown area and all those breweries and distilleries and uh, like and Utica and yeah and U- yeah Utica yeah between Utica and Cooperstown like that whole beer trail what there's butter butternut and Oma Gang. Um, and, and we went to some we hadn't been to before. You know, I, I'd go up there a lot as my wife's family has property up there, and we tried some new ones. So we even went to a, a vineyard. Oh yeah, that was really good. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like you said, the trip. North Fork. Um, that's just again something. Well, because of you know, our mutual friend Lauren um, and her husband Eric are just always such amazing hosts and have a great house out in the North Fork and I had to have gone out there for the first time four or five years ago and that's again I want to I don't want to be saying too much that all of a sudden then everyone's gonna start going there like you know <laughs> yeah sh- you're, you're what are you doing you're ruining all my fun times you're, you're destroying my secrets well there was already that really funny episode of uh, what was that um College. Friends from college. Friends, Friends from, from college. Yeah. Yeah. Great episode. Canceled. Rest in peace. But uh, funny yeah, show. I like the show. And yeah, the college, they took the bus that, out that to episode. the North Fork. <laughs> Sunset on the Bay. Check it out. I'm sure it's still <laughs> on Netflix. But that's a that's a hilarious uh, episode regarding the North Fork. Was actually you know just there recently. Um, so. You, you mentioned, I don't want to mention their names again because I don't want their other friends to ask them for this privilege because I don't know if it's allowed by everyone, but our dogs get a little antsy and my mom lives in Long Island anyway. She's been kind enough to do some of our laundry because, you know, uh, like I said, my wife Nicole is a nurse. She's very busy during this time and she's been nice enough to, to you know, provide some care packages or do a little food uh, shopping for us or toilet paper shopping sometimes, so... Uh, had to go out there to pick it up anyway. Dogs were getting antsy, so we asked uh, our friends if uh, the dogs could, you know, have a, a nice little recreation time on their uh, their house as a beach, a private beach. So, you know, technically, it's not violating any laws. No one, no one, uh, you know, 
rat them out or rat me out. But (laughs) we went, we went out, you know, let the dogs run around for an hour. One of our dogs likes to swim. So he did that too. And there was no one else on the beach. So you want to talk about isolation? It was very nice. It was very peaceful. Yeah, that's a perfect social distancing right there. Yeah, no, exactly. We wouldn't have done any of that if it was like a crowded beach or a crowded park or something. Uh, Regardless, uh, when we go out there, we like to either pick up beer or pick up um, whatever, whatever's available. When we went out, yeah, I know you've belonged to a couple of wine clubs from out there, right? We had in the past, yeah. Um, And one of them, Martha Clara, which was the Entenmann's farm, you've been there. Their owners changed, and that was like the big one we were a part of. But Pellegrini as well, we were a part of their wine club. Regardless, um, I wanted to get some beer, and like two weeks ago, I went out and picked up some beer because a lot of the breweries now are uh, what do you call it? Just like pick up, but they have like a term for it, like carry out. I don't know. Yeah, ca- yeah, carry out and like curbside delivery. Yeah, cur- and- <laughs> yes, the, all stuff like that. And uh, you know, I picked up a lot from Mustache Brewery. You and I have been there a lot. Um, th- yeah, that's a great. It's a it's a. Small on the inside, but it's I, I I love the setup that they have there. Yeah, they do, and they make really good beer. That's in delicious beer. That's in Riverhead, and this time it wasn't open. I'm not sure what's going on there. I, I don't think it's closed or something, but I don't know. Maybe they have to brew more beer. <laughs> not sure. Uh, but they're great, and that's another place that when you go, you really feel like the like the owners there. I think there's a, a either a husband and wife or just a guy and a girl. I don't want to assume their relationship, you know. But uh, <laughs> but the, this um you know the owners are usually there, and if not, it's someone who's really really knowledgeable. Whew. Oh, I don't even know. Uh, you know, I, sorry, I'm just like fantasizing about what the summer <laughs> what the summer should be and what it's probably not going to be, and it's making me sad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if anything, like I'm just picturing a lot of backyard hangouts but we'll still at least be able to go to places like mustache brewery or even you know uh what there's uh greenport greenport brewery. great you can get their beer a lot um you know who, who what i was thinking out the other day and i should have stopped there because i realized they were open but this is after i already left long ireland which is also in riverhead oh yeah that's right in riverhead right yeah they treated us really well at the um the what was it the beer expo the nj the beer expo. expo yeah or, yeah 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 so i i figured you know that would have been a really uh good place to just pick some stuff up for, from really we only picked up some moonshine wow you're doing a lot of illegal things <laughs> no this is legal moonshine this is legal moonshine called twin stills and uh, i had avoided it for years because i you know moonshine to me is like in a jar it probably tastes like crap i know they have like artisanal moonshine at the liquor store but i never really grabbed it uh this this place is completely different like yes you can get that like raw moonshine but they have like <laughs> strawberry cherry pie that's like their one of their biggest flavor cherry pie I actually picked up a. (laughs) I picked up a hot cherry pie flavor, which I thought was like, "Mm, is this like trying to be like a fireball? Because I've seen a cinnamon one there, I think too. Oh, okay. But no, but it's not. It's a jalapeno infused cherry pie flavor. It's supposed to be amazing. Haven't tried it yet. But yeah, some of these go down so smooth. Like the strawberry one is like amazing. Um, what are you? Are you putting anything with it, or are you just having it on the rocks, or what's going on? You don't have to put anything with it. I've next. Those are the dangerous ones, you know. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, our, our again, wow, I'm name dropping all our friends today, but our mutual friend Dan Ferrara just had a baby. Congratulations again. Mazel tov. Good things. <laughs> I gave him uh, 
some some moonshine from there as a gift once. I didn't check in if he enjoyed it, but I do. Again, it's it's dangerous. You put it on a little ice. Woo, good. You know what they were doing that was really cool there too? What's that? Free hand sanitizer. Oh wow! Yeah, wait, free free hand sanitizer. Yeah, we bought uh two bottles of moonshine, and they gave us uh two small bottles of hand sanitizer, which is oh, again, that's great. I mean, because I've seen a lot of breweries and a lot of distilleries. Mm-hmm. You know, they're making them and they're and they're uh, donating them to you know first responders and that kind of stuff. But that's kind of cool that you go there and they're they're just giving it to you. What you know, I'm sure you know since you bought a couple of bottles that helped, but that's pretty that's pretty awesome. As far as uh, moonshine goes a long time ago, probably like, I mean, at least eight years ago, even more, I had some of that apple pie moonshine that you see, like, you know, in stores. And that probably got me like one of the top five drunkest nights I've ever had in my life. People thought I was down in like uh, I think like Piscataway <laughs> at someone's house in Piscataway. And wow! They thought I left, like I disappeared, like my my uh, I don't remember if I drove down or a friend drove down. They thought I left though. They couldn't find me, and then they found oh my me God. passed out underneath the dining room table <laughs> in like a nice in like a parent's house. Oh my God! Like, so yeah, when I get drunk, I become like a dying cat and just like kind of hide myself somewhere. I've like fallen asleep underneath pull-out couches before. Oh my that's god, just, that's so funny. Yeah. Back Considering back. Yeah. No, if you're underneath the pull-out couch, that's my favorite. That's my favorite image because you had two other options, right? I there were so many options. I was it was but back even in just the, with the couch. I, so many options. You could have pulled it, it out and my... slept on it. You could have slept on the just like the couch mode, but Yep. No, that's exactly. I mean, it was all you know. It was already like pulled out, like I guess or whatever. But it was down in Belmar, New Jersey, at this place. Uh, and we would go uh, to this place called Bar A, that on Tuesdays had beat Ooh. the clock. Famous Bar A, dangerous Famous Bar, bar. A. <laughs> yeah. And on Tuesdays they had beat the clock, and I think it was like start, whatever time it started at. It was fifty cents for like a ten ounce cup of Miller Lite. What? A, I'm sorry. I, I I guess I'm not in the Jersey Shore heavy drinking scene. What does "beat the clock" mean? So beat the clock. So then it starts at fifty cents. What? Let's say it starts at five p.m. Uh, every hour it went up fifty cents. So it was just like drink as many of these ten ounce Miller Lights and like these plastic cups. You know, and they would just go up 50 cents every hour. So, I mean, if you were there until 1 a.m. and it starts at 5 p.m., uh, I mean, what's, so, uh, was that, three, it, it, the most you're ever going to spend on a 10-ounce Miller Lite is like four or five bucks or something like that. Yeah. But by that point, you're drinking, you're putting them <laughs> down. Like, you go up and you'd grab, I, I forget, I think they made a maximum that you could have, but I think you could get, like, six at a time, so you put your fingers in the cups and, like, not very good for today's, uh, you know, climate, but, like, just grab as a bunch and your fingers would be in the cups and you'd ha- hand them out and everything like that, and then sometimes you'd keep the cups in the cups. <laughs> oh, my was, God. Uh, it's the whole science behind this. Uh, enough of my, I guess, drunken... Well, I was just going to escapades. I was uh, going to say it was probably like the Midnight Moon one that comes in like the mason jar looking thing. I've seen that one yes. in liquor stores a lot. 
Yeah, and it was like the apple pie flavor, and it was just going down so easy. Yeah, that that's a great flavor of moonshine. Again, it, you just drink it. It's dangerous, but it's it, it's uh, awesome. At this distillery in Jersey City, Corgi, they have. I think I think we got a. I think we picked up a bottle for. For Nicole from there. Yeah, so, I've had it. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a tea flavor. Yes, yeah, the Earl Grey gin. And that, mm-hmm. just like you're saying, like that strawberry moonshine is dangerous because you can just have it on the rocks. This Earl Grey gin, you could just have it on the rocks. But if you put a little... And I'm thinking because it works well with this Earl Grey and you turn it into kind of what they call like... Uh, well, because Earl Palmer is, the, of course, the iced tea lemonade. But then mm-hmm. I think they call it a John Daly when it's spiked with a little something because John Daly knew how to get down. <laughs> and uh, But I think with that, um, you add some lemonade to that strawberry moonshine, a little like strawberry lemonade. Oh, I'm going to try that. And I think with that, I want some crushed ice. Oh, I could see that, yeah. I'm not going to get picky with the ice in this kind of situation, <laughs> but I get it. Uh, yeah, so the one in Long Island, I, I looked it up again. So Twin Stills is the distillery name, but the brand name is called Long Island Old Timer, if you ever see it on shelves in the Long Island area. Now, that I was thinking of doing this. This is really silly, but like the, the, the hand sanitizer bottles aren't nice enough because that's not what matters right now. But And this is technically hoarding, so I won't do it, but to... What what if I collected the bottles from different like breweries and distir- distilleries for their hand sanitizer? Like <laughs> they'll be in a museum someday, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I also got one from actually it's the beer I'm drinking now um, from a brewery we've both been to, Captain Lawrence. Ah, that's in Elmsford, New York, in Westchester, and they had hand sanitizer too because they're opening a distillery up at their property as well. Um, I, I don't think it's it's opened yet. Maybe it has. I'm not sure. But I guess they're making hand sanitizer there, too. <laughs> I am drinking uh, a lovely beer that was delivered to me from Brick City in Little Ferry, New Jersey. So it's a nice uh, nice pilsner. You know what? Like, in the end of the day, I mean, IPAs and sours and stouts and all, 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 all of those, just like a nice pilsner that you know you can, you know, enjoy and put down a whole bunch of. You... Fantastic are reading my mind it's funny like uh so we're on a video chat right now technically recording and i'm just nodding my head yes because i i did the classic mistake in this quarantine well one i didn't know how long it was going to last two i ordered myself a lot of fancy fancy craft beers a lot of sours a lot of ipas a lot of strong stuff and i'll be honest with you like my stomach is like not accepting it as much as I thought it would. I enjoyed it every minute of it. I'm not saying that. But I needed a break from the complex stuff. I needed the basic stuff. That's why I picked up this one. I'll show it to you right now, the can. This is Captain yes. Lawrence, but it's Captain Lawrence Lager. And this Ooh. is something that I kind of predicted a couple of years ago would happen, right? With all this complexity, all this complexity. And it's a great tie-in for the film we're going to watch today. Sometimes <laughs> doing something simple and doing something right is perfect. I would compare this beer to like a very well-made PBR, a very well-made Narragansett, you know? Just a beer that you could have at a barbecue and just drink a lot of and not have to think about the complexities of it. It goes down so smooth. Again, this is not a paid advertisement, but it's so smart that a brewery that makes such interesting, complex beers, some of the best sours I've ever had, would make a beer that's also so simple as well. And I'm holding up the can to our camera, Kyle, because doesn't it fit in, again, with our theme today? It's so simple, so Americana. Yeah. Hey, I mean... Uh, we get Ray Kroc going home, and he's drinking a PBR in the movie. So it's true, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and this is, again, something that you just drink peacefully and not have to worry about. Sometimes you need that in life. (laughs) Well, I mentioned the lead character's name. And, well, if you're listening to this episode, you saw the title of it. So the movie we're talking is The Founder. And The Founder came out in uh, late 2016. It's about Ray Kroc coming in, meeting the McDonald brothers, and just starting up what is quite possibly the most you know popular franchise in the world, right? Absolutely. Definitely in fast food, but just in general, I think, might be the most popular franchise. I would say the most influential, influential it's like restaurant Di- in world Disney. history. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, there's a fact to cut all the way to the end of the movie. There's like, you know, since it's a uh, since it's a biopic, there's, you know, the basic facts at the end. And it says McDonald's feeds 1% of the world's population daily. Insane. Insane. That's crazy. That's Insane. crazy. Insane. So, the founder, Brian, when did you see it? What do you think of it? I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, a lot of these type of biopics are not really in vogue these days i think people are like biopic uh sick i shouldn't say it's not in vogue hollywood keeps making them but i you know what i mean like some people are like really being turned off by them they're they're looking for different ones and yeah the market is pretty flooded by it so i think people right now are really enjoying maybe like specific moments in like a person's or whatever's history yeah, because we got so many in a row that were like, start with, you know, a, a moment in the middle of the career, like at the apex. Then let's start from the beginning. Flashback to a childhood trauma, you know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help when it comes to like the music ones. There's always like, for some reason, a sibling died. There's always drugs or alcohol involved. <laughs> That's why like, Dewey Cox least... is so great. <laughs> you got to walk hard. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a fantastic movie directed by John Lee Hancock, who is a big fan of making these uh, biopics. He made The Rookie, The Alamo, The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder, The Highwayman, a lot of thes. (laughs) He does something pretty specific. I can't put my finger on it, but all his movies have a certain quality to them, if that makes sense. They like what Ray is selling in the founder have this familyness to them. His most recent, the highwayman definitely takes, cause it's, I mean, it's about Bonnie and or you know, the two, uh, highwaymen that were the, what are they? Marshals or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, te- or Texas Rangers, I think, um, hunting down Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde. So a lot more violence in that movie, but in the end, the, the a lot of his movies do have like a family quality to them. Like uh, as as we've I think we've even discussed on here, or definitely some um, P.S. I love Hoffman and, and your podcast High School Slumber Party. My family had movie nights, and a lot of his movies, if I was a little bit younger uh, at the time they came out, would have been Reinfried family movie nights. So <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see that. Um, you asked me when I first saw it; it was on Netflix. Pretty soon after, like it came out on like mm-hmm. D- DVD, and I watched it there. Um, I'm a big Michael Keaton fan. I think he's awesome. I'm so glad he's had this career renaissance. And I'm just curious about these movies. I almost see them as 
like less than 100% true documentaries rather than like me having a good time watching it, if that makes sense. You know, I, I feel like I learned so much from them. Yeah, you, exactly. Like the, there's a lot of these movies out there. I think we even brought them up the other, or I brought them up the other day. Like there's that movie, like hidden figures and you just got to be careful with like watching some of these movies. Cause I feel like some people watch them and then think they know the history of it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. flat out. But, they, you know, in the end, they're turning it into an, supposed to be entertaining. And you're having, you know, these professional, amazing actors. I mean, this 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 cast is fantastic. And like you said, I'm so happy, like, Michael Keaton. I mean, he's been back for a while. I mean, Birdman and even, you know, I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And just so many great movies that he's had in this past decade. And he plays this part perfectly and then just a Nick Offerman as Dick McDonald and uh, John Carroll Lynch as Mac McDonald. Who I know we've talked about. We Well, obviously we both love Nick Offerman, but we both love, uh, what, what did you say his name was? John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. I always want to say yeah, John he's one Lynch. of those guys that he might not be like a household name, but I feel like he's a household face. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What do you recognize him most from in your mind? Like, What's well, his iconic na- performance? Well, for me, it's Zodiac. I was just going to say Zodiac, right? Yeah, but like, what did I first see him in? Like the Drew Carey show and like Volcano. Volcano? Yes. Drew Carey show, for sure. Uh, but also Fargo. He's um, Francis oh, McDormand's yeah, yeah. Uh, husband or whatever. He's had a great career. I don't think they could have picked a better Ray Kroc and Michael Keaton, and I don't think they could have picked better McDonald's brothers than Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch. Don't you think? Like, they're just perfect. The three of them, I mean, when, when or even just when the two of them, when Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch are playing off one another, and then you throw Michael Keaton into the scene, whether it's a phone call conversation or in person, just the chemistry between these guys, again, as duos or as like a, as a, like a thruple, <laughs> <laughs> are just um, are just fantastic. Like I, I, of course, you know, I love my IMDb trivia, and I read that John Carroll Lynch memorized the entire movie as if it was a play because he is a stage actor. By oh, trivia. okay. And so it it just does have like a like a dramatic stage just vibe to it. I mean, this is as far as stories go. This is this is a rags to riches story. This is just you know. It's multiple, though. It's multiple. Um, so John uh, John Carroll Lynch, the only other thing I wanted to mention, that he's also uh, not Steve Carell, but like another dad in Crazy Stupid Love. And oh, I like yeah. That movie. He's, 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 <laughs> he's so good in that. He's really good in that. Um, yeah, but this is what sets this movie apart to me that makes me enjoy it more than I even expected to is the fact that they do not portray Ray Kroc as the nicest, most awesome guy in the world. Because too many biopics are like, this is why this person is a saint, you know? This is yeah. why... And and again, <clears throat> I'll be clear, right? Okay, does Walk the Line, which I love, but does that portray Johnny Cash as a saint? No. But by the ending, you're like, well, he had his bad moments, but he's clearly redeemed himself. Right? Yeah, he has that redemption moment. Like, it's all about, like, okay, at because the, they keep cutting in that movie. It's all about him recording live at Folsom Prison and then, you know, him and June ending up together. And so, there, yeah, there, it has that redemption quality to it versus this movie is just like, 
Yeah, you know what, Ray just, I, you know, he, like he says to Nick Offerman, to you know, to Dick McDonald's character, he's just like, I knew as soon as I saw that name, I wanted it, and I was going to have it. Which I kind of think is a little bit of bullshit, too. I think um, at that point, he's like sniffing too much of his own brand, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's even created a narrative about himself. The film is called The Founder because he started to refer to himself as the founder, despite his name not even being McDonald. Everyone yeah. believed he was the founder. What doesn't mention here, but you'll probably remember as a kid, that there was a plaque in every single McDonald's location of him, and it said, Ray Kroc founder, and like a little bit of a story, and didn't even mention the McDonald's brothers. Oh, not at all. And that's, I mean, even the one, the I forget exactly what town that is, but in Illinois, that he opens yeah, up like and says, claims or something like that. Yeah, and it's McDonald's number one. Like, that's, he's just totally, and then when he's talking with, um, uh, what was, uh, Patrick Wilson's character, Raleigh Smith, and, and then who ends up being Ray's wife, but it's Rolly's, uh, Smith of the, uh, uh Rolly Smith's wife at the time, Joan, and they're like, oh, when did you start this? He's ni- 1954, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> he just becomes kind of like a pathological liar. Uh, but supposedly, I, I read that the relationship wasn't as bitter, like Ray with the McDonald's brothers, as they depicted. Like even uh, Dick ate the ceremony, uh, ate the ceremonial fifty billionth hamburger in nineteen eighty four. Because I think at that point Ray was had passed. So that makes sense. Um, so I tried to do a, a quick research for you as well, and. I saw both sides of it. Some places said, oh, the relationship wasn't that bad. Some places says it was worse than this. Who knows? We weren't there. That's the trouble with, with biopics. Very true. Yeah. It, it's something where I'm sure Ray Kroc did not want the narrative going around that the relationship was bad. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they did acknowledge, and now they do acknowledge that the company really has three founders. But the narrative, like, for years around the story of McDonald's was that, like, Ray Kroc was like saw something that the brothers didn't see, and that he yeah. put on, he put on all the legwork, which is true he did put in the legwork. But I think this movie, you get the sense more that it's not that they didn't see the potential, is that they were so happy with what they were doing. They had thought about franchising before. They just they're perfectionists, and I'm so glad to talk about this film on this podcast because I I know obviously you talk films here. But it's food-centric, right? And this film has the classic debate of... Uh, I think it's even said in the movie. Uh, the McDonald's brothers... I'm assuming it's um, Dick who says this, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It's like, I'd rather have one restaurant that makes great food than 50 restaurants that make mediocre food. And yeah. It's a fair debate. It's a fair debate. Well, yeah, it's it's the it's the quantity versus quality. And that's what those... and the. And the brothers, the McDonald brothers, were all about quality and being a and and quality mm-hmm. control. Like they had, they I think they had opened seven or eight, and the furthest one from them, from San uh, Bernardino, was in Phoenix. And they were like, oh, you know, they, they would go and they were uh, what I think making burritos or something. They even said or something like yeah. that. And they're like, I I I love so much about this movie and I love the way it plays out. I mean, there are, there's a lot of exposition and there is a lot of montages. And as far as like critical reviews, that's like what I read, like as far as a few demerits, just like how much it kind of 
you know, built off of those two things, but it works for this movie. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a movie about fast food and this movie has a fast pace to it. And I, I like the way that we're being told this story. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it doesn't start from like, uh, Ray Kroc's youth because he didn't, what well, he was in his fifties, right? When this yeah, he was whole... like 54 years old once he started, once he like first met the McDonald's brothers. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's refreshing that we don't get that. I didn't mind the montages. I didn't mind. Um, what was the other thing you said that they were criticizing? Uh, exposition. Exposition. Yeah, I didn't mind that because I needed it. Like I needed it to tell this full story here. Like I, I loved, loved the part when they, the McDonald's brothers are telling Ray Kroc how they started the company. Right? Like they were oh. actually really poor, and you know, you, you know what it was. Yeah, no, that's the, when when he, um, you know what, this is a scene I know that I wanted to play, so let's play, I'm going to play the clip of Ray uh, being in, uh, invited inside by Mac McDonald and uh, seeing their whole world of this of the Speedy system. Speed, that's the name of the game. The first stop for every McDonald's hamburger is the grill. Manned by two cooks whose sole job it is to grill those all-beef beauties to perfection. Meanwhile, as the patty cooks, our dressers get the buns ready. Watch out. Burger crossing. Every McDonald's burger has two pickles, pinch of onions, and a precise shot of ketchup and mustard. Now, where'd you get those? We made them. Made them? Yeah, custom built. Whole kitchen is. Next is. is the finishing station where we put the whole thing together. And voila, a fresh, delicious burger from grill to counter in 30 seconds. How the heck did you come up with this? Oh, I didn't. We did. Dick McDonald, my brother. Hi. Boy, I gotta tell you, this is the most... Ma- ma- most the fries. What about them? They're 5% too crisp. Oh, they're perfect. I think we should drop to 2 minutes 50 seconds. Wasn't that what we were at before? 400, not 375. Higher temp, shorter cook. I think they're spot oh, on. Excuse me, may I? None of my beeswax. Well, I'm with the big fella here. I love them. Golden brown on the outside, fluffy white inside. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, not too oily, salty, crunchy. Who are you? Oh, this is Ray Kroc, the multi-mixer fellow you spoke to. When do you figure we can expect them? Uh, sent the blue label air, so Good, I'm... good. Made hey, them for better. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to take you out to dinner. You're really not my type. <laughs> you and your brother. What for? This is the most remarkable restaurant I've seen in all my years in the food service industry, and I've seen it all. I want to hear your story. This this film, you know, like when I, when I talk uh, just with people about f- food movies, you, you know, there, there's an okay amount of food movies, but one of the biggest problems that people tend to have is seeing the actual food on camera or the, the lack thereof. And this scene, I mean, the movie in general does a really good job, but this scene does a fantastic job of showing the whole process, these mm-hmm. pieces of equipment that the brothers came up with themselves, just dispensing the the ketchup and the mustard, two pickles, a little bit of diced onions, and just seeing how these burgers are made within a 30 second period, uh, period. 
because that's what I'm, I mean. Just in the scene before this one, when he's ordering the burger and he puts in the order, and then all of a sudden it's brought to him right away, he's like, "No, that can't be my order. I just, <laughs> you know, I just put this in." Because the movie just does a great job of also showing us what food was like at the time in these mm-hmm. these like drive-in eateries that they would, you know, very Flintstones esque that they would bring the tray up to the car. But or I was going to just... say very high school slumber party esque because I can't tell you how many movies depict like drive-in scenes like American Graffiti, oh, yeah. American Greece, Graffiti, yeah, definitely. You know, um, this scene is so beautiful to me. I love the chore- choreography when they're at the tennis court and they're just like trying to plan how this kitchen is exactly going to look. It's just, it's beautiful, yeah. you know? And then when it's put into place, the way that the one got the guy with the one tray moves under the guy with the other tray, it's just so perfect, you know? It's just, ah, I love it. Well, it really is, it's preaching, I mean, what, what he says something like, um, a, a symphony of efficiency. And we see in that, like, m- montage and the storytelling, and, and Dick is on top of a ladder looking at the tennis court, and he is, like, conducting almost with a yardstick, just calling out when who is supposed to be doing what in the kitchen. And I love that. And that's what, like, in the, in the scene we just played, just Ray saying, like, I want to hear you. Let me take you out for dinner. I want to hear your story. And so that's, like, to me, that's a perfect time for these, for exposition and oh, yeah. for the montage and we just get a great understanding I, you know these guys were from uh you know out east and they moved out west because uh i think mac wanted to be part of you know like hollywood and stuff like that and mm-hmm. then they ended up opening a movie theater but uh, then the depression happened foodie films you see yes. interests <laughs> that combine just like you these are similar people to you kyle I, I, that's definitely a compliment. I, I wish I was a bit more similar because they ended up with a pretty good, even though they were screwed over, a pretty good payday. So Pretty good payday. They were screwed over. But sorry, go on. The depression. <laughs> no, and just from there, like, you know, the, that the, uh, that they, what, opened, then opened up that kind of drive-in eatery that they're just doing way too many things and, and realized that hamburgers, fries, and shakes were like their 85% of their business or something like that. You'll have some chefs on here who I can guarantee wouldn't touch a McDonald's hamburger. You'll have some that would, right? Like, it depends. Like, we knew Bourdain would go to fast food places, too, and appreciated them. This definitely, McDonald's definitely falls under, you know, uh, my guilty pleasure question in in gut gut instincts. (laughs) And there's Jim Gaffigan, who I love, but has some of the greatest food comedy sketches. I've ever seen like a Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> exactly. <Hot pockets. laughs> but he, he has a famous one about McDonald's. Right. And it's like, where did we get to in society? And look, there's a converse to this and we'll talk about it too, but he's like, where do we get to in society where you're embarrassed to tell people that you went to McDonald's, right? Like you're looking over your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's like taboo to say, to say that you went to McDonald's in certain circles, but yet it feeds 1% of the world. So people have to be going right. Um, it's just this classic debate. Now, I don't know if what the McDonald's brothers concepted, is really factored into this debate because I I do think that even the best chefs you have on here would appreciate what the McDonald brothers did, but maybe oh, the not. innovation they brought to mm-hmm. it and the fact I mean these guys are like in the in the food scene the these guys are like you know in comparison to what like Miles Davis is in the jazz realm 
Oh yeah, I mean, like, I feel comfortable no... saying that. I mean, like you know, he, they took something and they reinvented it, and then they perfected it, and just the efficiency of it all, and the and originally with them with the quality control and everything like that it was it's pre- pretty spectacular. To me, they're like modern art painters, um, in a sense of like a Picasso, a, a Cubist, right? Like. There's Renaissance painters, and they painted these beautiful masterpieces that took forever, right? Like ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, so intricate, so detailed. But then, eventually, we broke it down. I say we like I'm Picasso. People like Picasso (laughs) broke it down into cubism. And it's just simple, but still beautiful, because it found the essence of what people were really enjoying. Um However, you know, Croc turns it more into something that's national and the McDonald's we know today and certainly compromising what the McDonald brothers wanted originally. But still, uh, I'm going to bring a movie out that I don't think you thought I would talk about today. But it's a movie you and I have both talked about, even on our podcasts, for different reasons. But I, I believe the film was Road Trip. Um, Road Trip? Yes. Ruben. Okay. You remember Ruben. <laughs> At one point, I, I think they're – and if, if I got the film wrong, foodie fans, tell Kyle so he could chastise me. But I think it's him because I see it in his voice. He's talking about McDonald's briefly, and he's like, people criticize McDonald's. Tell me another restaurant or any place in the world where you could order a cheeseburger or order something, and it's going to taste the same no matter where you are. And maybe that's not the high-end restaurant quality there, but that is remarkable. That is really remarkable. The quality does not. I mean, the burgers definitely don't look the same as what they did back in the uh, in the fifties. No, I think where we we lost a lot of trust in McDonald's was like I guess I don't know. At least the eighties on in terms of advertising. Like once the age of TV really took off and making those burgers look so different in TV and ads from what they are, I'll give you that, right? But if that (laughs) wasn't the case. McDonald's, I think McDonald's of the era is more like Shake Shack of today. Shake Shack's pretty simple. Shake Shack doesn't have that many ingredients. And I just want to say a little something about Shake Shack right now. They just, um, they're giving back the $10 million that they were uh, given as, as a company during this Good crisis. Good for them. So that's... Good for them. Right? Yeah. You know I was mad about that. So Shake Shack, I know you shouldn't have done it in the first place, but you stepped up the plate. You atoned yeah. for your sins, so good for them. But I feel like the McDonald's Brothers vision is closer to Shake Shack. And, and we've had, or five guys, and we've had a lot of that come in the last, what, 15 years? Like burger mm-hmm. joints, like that. I think. Yeah, in and out, step at the five. Yeah, you said five guys, yeah. It's just that these. the Mc, Ray Kroc had a different vision, and it wasn't necessarily about the food, it was about how efficient the food was being made. And the the name, as he says later, the arches, and it's something that he, he's so right. Almost every town in America has a church, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> a, well, what do they say? A courthouse, but you know, like, well, some kind of public building. Yeah, and a it's, McDonald's. A, it's, it's the it's the steeple and the flag, and then those arches, those beautiful golden arches. Can that... you name the one country you've been to that does not have a McDonald's? The one country I've because I've been I've been to it too, and I was fascinated when I went there because I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then I looked it up, and it wasn't there. Huh. Um. 
off the top of my head, and I'm trying to think of like places we've been together. Uh, maybe Iceland. Correct, Iceland. Iceland does not have a McDonald's. It has, I believe, only like one fast food place, and it's just like a generic brand. No McDonald's. They had one briefly, I believe. They've resisted it, which is is fine. But almost every country in the world has a McDonald's. For years, it's since changed, but for years, there was this thing, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's called, uh, oh god, what is it called? But two countries that had a McDonald's never went to war with each other until, again, I think this was broken in the last, like, five years or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But it's, like, amazing, right? Because, like, there's, uh, this is a phenomenon that started with this salesman, this, uh, what was it? A blender salesman or a milkshake machine salesman? Yeah, I guess it's called milk ma- the five milkshake machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this guy had a vision and started something that changed the world forever, for better or worse. Right? You'll you'll get health food people come on here probably and be like, McDonald's kills more people than cigarettes, and that's true. No, no, no. But they have parfaits. <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair. But I mean, indirectly, they have apple is, like, slices, the biggest killer the in America, and McDonald's is a big, probably, reason for heart disease. And I get all that too. It still doesn't stop me from admiring this story, admiring just the efficiency, and, and admiring this movie. You know, I didn't see it as like a, oh my god, this is a killer movie. It's a fascinating movie. Yeah, it's a fascinating movie, and again, these actors are just playing these roles just so well Michael Keaton you know like you're rooting for him and then it kind of gets to the point like early on like Dick is pretty sure but he has that great line um and towards the end of the film what is it I think I wrote it down um there's a wolf in the hen house we let him in and like he he Mm -hmm. he he knew early on that this guy was yeah there there's just something about him and Mac was having the benefit, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt. And we also get this backstory that, like, Mac's health isn't that great. I think he, he's a diabetic and just the stress isn't good for him. And But he, he, he really wants, you know, like, he, he thinks he's holding his brother Dick back. And so that kind of maybe Ray will help step in and help fulfill this expansion and be able to keep this quality control and to, to at least, you know, Ray Kroc that is in this film that we're getting this representation of him by Michael Keaton. He is very much about the quality control and sees, you know, he, he's just like, he says to his wife played excellently by uh, Laura Dern, who's also Laura kind Dern. of having this Renaissance over the past, like a handful of years. Um, and, you know, he says, like, oh, we're not hanging out with those friends anymore, these country club friends, because these guys were just looking for an easy, you know, like, just money going into their bank account. And so he started hiring other people like him, these other salesmen. And, like, what, there's a Bible salesman, there was one guy that selling vacuum cleaners or something or other, and he sees that they're no pun intended, hungry, and they're, they they have this grit, they have this go-getting attitude, because they know what it's like. I mean, we're introduced to Ray, we find out that he lives in Illinois, but he's in Missouri, and gets the call about these, that uh, the McDonald's brothers put in an order for, uh, I think it's five or six, and he's like, you know what, make it eight, and they want eight of these blenders. So, just... 
that they're, he's just so impressed by this business that he drives from Missouri all the way out to California and just isn't giving up and is just so persistent with these brothers that they finally set up this deal that isn't that great for Ray. And then even kind of halfway through three quarters of the way through, we find out that like Ray is pretty much breaking even. And that's when we're introduced to the BJ Novak character. And he's like, you're in the wrong business. you think you're in the burger business? You need to be in the real estate business. And that's like, that was, that was an aspect I did not know about McDonald's and that whole franchise. Yeah. uh, Smart and intelligent there. I think that's what takes it from food establishment to this multi-billion dollar sold no but not multi-billion dollar corporation that's uh not just about the burgers i think he says that literally like bj novak right he just says like like what you just said it's not he's like you're not in the burger business you're in the real estate business and that's sums up the difference between the mcdonald's brothers and ray Kroc. Yeah, this this movie definitely, I mean, it has a lot of salesman characters, mm-hmm. and just when Ray Kroc is going around and having those larger meetings, whether it's like there's like one in a synagogue, there's one, in, you know, in a, you know... A, like they're like Elks Lodges and stuff. Elks Lodges and, and those, <laughs> what are those, the Fezit, the Shrine Club I don't and know. stuff like that? You said the Flintstones before, very Flintstones stuff here. <laughs> Masons <laughs> but I love, and but stuff. But he's just, he never stops selling. Everything he does is a pitch, and I love when he's just like, uh, you know, f- uh, what, feeding bodies, feeding souls, and, and it just ain't open on Sundays, it's open seven days a week. He's tiptoeing, and he says to the brothers at one point, you know, he's like, not to be blasphemous, also to, uh, you know, bring up uh, the last temptation of Christ and <laughs> the blasphemy that we brought to that episode. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think this movie just does a really good job of showing this period of his life. Sure, does it gloss over the problems that he's having with, you know, his wife in, uh, oh God, what's Ethel, and then he all of a sudden ends up with Joan. Like, they don't go too much into that. Uh, They show that right away, Ray is, like, smitten with Joan when she's playing the piano and her husband, you know, brings her over and introduces her, and then they sing, what, Pennies from Heaven together. Yeah, uh, honestly, like, I know they didn't go into that a lot. I honestly didn't need it. Like, I... No, exactly. I I don't need overall like this big romance that usually happens in every biopic whether it's june carter or you know uh, a lot of times too and i'll just you know again i'm not anti-divorce that's not what i'm saying at all but a lot of times too i feel like it's put into these biopics to not this one but other ones to like justify divorce like oh he was a bad man when he was with this woman not because of the woman but because like you know but he found god with june I don't think it did that here necessarily. I just don't, I didn't need it. I got that he got, I think, I really think they had the whole, look, I'll take any movie with Laura Dern. I'm not saying that, but I think they added the whole first wife thing just to highlight the fact that he was struggling and to show that moment where he's like, oh, she's getting zero of this business. Yeah, exactly. That showing like the stakes, like when she's like, you mortgaged, like you put our house into all this so, yeah, he needs to have these conversations of, like, 
because then that would just be more exposition and like monologue and him just kind of talking with mm-hmm. a faceless bank guy if you don't have the Laura Dern character in there. I didn't need the second wife parts, you know? I just didn't like it. I get it. She was a part of the business, but it didn't show her. I, mean, I guess I guess in a sense she did have a lot of good ideas for the business if that's indeed true. I I'm not sure, you know. I didn't read any uh, biographies that this was based on. Yeah, because she brings up the whole what, like pa- the milkshake. The powder. milkshake, yeah, stuff like that. I don't know. It's um, it's tough. I, there's a lot of like reading between the lines here. If you do your research, you're like, oh, that makes sense. So fam- famously, there and it is food related. McDonald, like he's a milkshake machine salesman. A big mm-hmm. part of McDonald's business is the milkshakes. He, uh, this is like one of the things, at least in the movie, causes them for to have a big fight. Uh, Ray Kroc and the McDonald's brothers, but that the milkshakes he wants to cut them and just do uh, powdered milkshakes, right? Yeah, because the freezers just cost so much to keep all this ice cream frozen. So ironically, right? Like they get rid of them, but they bring it back eventually, as it says in the post credits, or I guess that's just pre credits, right? I don't know what we call that in film. <laughs> uh, but uh, in those like pre-credit text things. Text epilogue. Yeah, text epilogue. It says that they brought milkshakes back with real milk. But part of the reason, like a big reason they did that was because the restaurants needed the freezer again. Why? Because of other related stuff. They started freezing a lot of their products. Like the meat. Yes. Yeah, the fries. Yeah. Like the the fries. says like... I think Dick even says at one point, just like frozen French fries. Like not that it was being brought up, but there's just a lot of like little moments like that. Just alluding, you know, uh, to, to the, to the future of this company. So, yeah. So like bringing the milk back, wasn't that like, Oh, we realized it was better. It was like, Oh, we have a fridge again because of all the other stuff. That's not going to be fresh anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's just a lot of like, I mean, Michael Keaton just in general has like I feel like one of the best smirks in the business. And there's just I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of smirks and winking and just like foreshadowing in this movie. I mean, but just even like you said, like one of the other things they butt heads on and just like food related another huge corporation is that Ray wants the those um Coca Cola, like any of the signage, any of the boards or whatever will say like, you know, yeah, you know, sponsored mm-hmm. by Coca-Cola. You know, Dick wants nothing to do with that. He calls it, I think, like crass commercialism, and he's like, "No, it's just like sponsorship." And yeah. so there's like certain points. It, it the movie does like a, I think, just a really good job. Again, just in the movie sense, who knows what happened exactly in history? But just you know, there's a like I'm siding with Dick, and then I'm siding with Ray. And there just is kind of like a back and forth. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, by the end, you're just like, wow, Ray. And then again, in the, if we'll call it the, the text epilogue, we find out that the handshake could never have been proven. And that handshake was, would have been like that 1% would have been worth $100 million per year for those guys. That that family could still be, I guess, right? That the, the would have been handed down. Yeah, and and even if it wasn't, even if it was for the rest of their lives, it would have been a lot of money. What's uh, interesting about that to me is that this is not something that Ray Kroc denied. He didn't pretend almost that it didn't happen. Like, I think in his book or somewhere, well, he wrote this famous, his famous biography, and it doesn't even mention the McDonald's brothers, I believe, or something along those lines. Wow. Like, Like, he... 
he called himself the founder. He told people that it was his idea and all that. I, I, you know, it, it wouldn't last like that today because people on the internet would be like, huh, I see a location in California that predates that. Um, <laughs> his big thing, his sticking point was that he just wanted them out completely. Even that one restaurant, and, and you see it in the film, he does not want that restaurant to exist. He, When he did the deal, he realized what he was doing. He made them change the name of their original restaurant because he's like, hey, you don't own McDonald's anymore. So if you can run the restaurant, it just can't be McDonald's. And it only lasted a couple of years as the big M because he put a McDonald's a block away in their hometown just to destroy them. Yeah, he gets yeah, gets pretty like spiteful in the end and just just a little like, dude, you've got you you got it all. And so, yeah, by by the end you're just like, wow, he kind of, you know, I mean, you know, you could even argue that Mac died earlier than he would have just because of the stress that was brought on from all of this. A lot of places I read said that the family claimed that, like that's was part of the reason uh, that's why i'm not so sold on the whole idea that oh they got along a little bit more than this maybe they did maybe they didn't but if you had a dream and you had something you love so much and you knew someone did something to destroy it just to spite you would you really get along with that person yeah yeah after after they that check signing scene you know it's dick and uh ray having that conversation in the bathroom he's like can I like? Can I just ask you like, like why didn't and, he's, and you know Michael Keaton even cuts him off and just is like, oh why wouldn't I have like after that tour just taken what I saw you guys were doing and did it myself and then that's when he goes into the whole thing about about the name and they even play I think some of that do, do they play some real footage at the end of the movie real footage and then as the credits are going on he's continuing and he starts talking about them and it's like oh it's such a you know, great name. Um, yeah, exactly. It was just like, <laughs> I think he says to Dick, he's just like, oh, you know, Croc, just like, oh, what a Croc. It's just like a Slavic name. <laughs> and he's going, going into this whole, like, how he hates his own name. It's kind of it's interesting because it's just like something, you know, in, I feel like in another movie or another version of this movie, we would have then seen like a reason he doesn't like his name or his upbringing for some kind of reason. So I'm happy it doesn't go into anything like that. And it just pretty much shows like, it, like and again, him saying that, like, as soon as I saw that name and just, I mean, I was reading it, you know, afterwards, I, I you know, thought I'd read something like this before, but the whole thing of why, you know, like the, you know, red and yellow, and like I mean, In and Out uses it. So many f- fast food joints use it. Like I mean, there's it's definitely involved in Burger King. Wendy's. Too. Yeah, but um, you know, so I was what was it? Uh, red, um, red triggers stimulation, appetite, hunger. It attracts attention. Yellow triggers the feelings of happiness and friendliness. Uh, when you combine red and yellow, it's about speed, quickness. You know. Uh, in and out again eating and uh, yellow is the most visible color in daylight which is why the McDonald's M can be seen from a distance so far in distance it's funny I feel like McDonald's has become so iconic that it's kind of ruined the red and yellow color scheme in a lot of respects like you know there are some sports teams with it like the Kansas City Chiefs just won a Super Bowl right yeah so you know they're uh they're rocking it, but they don't like 
It's like 90% red, a little bit of yellow trim for the Chiefs. They don't like rock it completely like red and yellow. I, I just think that they've just, again, red and yellow is McDonald's. I don't know if there's another company that has had this much of a presence in terms of its color scheme to, I don't know. Like when I say red and yellow, you think McDonald's. I guess that's my point. What can brown do for you, Brian? Maybe yeah, UPS has to be one, but like who was claiming brown? Let's be honest. <laughs> the Browns, which even in, have a lot have an orange helmet. <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense. Jo- really? But. Okay, but UPS, no, that's a good call. Um there's not too many though companies where if I took two crayons, just drew it on a page, you would associate a company with it. Yeah, I think Amazon's getting there a little bit with their blue and their whole... I mean, definitely it's more about, like, the arrow making the smiley face. Yeah, that's the thing with them, right? Like, they've even, like, changed their focus colors a couple times. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, like, what? I mean, now we're not getting... We're getting into, like, the hidden shapes, but, like, FedEx with the arrow between... I mean, that's great. I love that. What, the X and the... Or... The D and the X, technically, right? The D and the X, yeah. And, um... Baskin Robbins having the 31 in there. Which is like uh, great. Like that one, I'm not so hot on, you know, <laughs> because it's just like, oh, now I want to go there because I know they have 31 flavors, which they don't in store. So, <laughs> uh, marketing well, is just absolutely crazy. That's the whole one of my favorite things to bring up anytime anyone's talking about like marketing, advertising is just like the double stuff Oreo and stuff is spelled with one F because technically it's not double the amount of the cream. So, you know, they can't, if they put it, they would be bastards. I didn't know that. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. I know this is completely off topic, but this is foodie films. Oreo top 10, maybe no, you know what? Top five cookie of all time. It's very similar to McDonald's in a sense that, it's underappreciated. I think if you never had an Oreo in your life and you had it today, if a little bakery in your beloved Jersey City opened up downtown and they invented this cookie named the Oreo and you had it for the first time, that you were like, oh my God, this is amazing. We grew up with Oreos now, so we're not used to appreciating them. But Oh, yeah. Right before uh, quarantining, I was in a Target, and since you know Easter was coming up, they had the carrot cake Oreos. You know, I tell you, they're pretty good. Really, it feels so adult to have like a carrot cake Oreo, huh? Yeah, <laughs> huh. makes you think. But but, uh, but yeah, no, Oreo just has so many you know crazy flavors now. But yeah, no, I I, I get you. They Oreos just have like even at like Christmas time, they just make out like specific tins for them. They just do have kind of like just the whole iconic. Like yeah, you you know you, either you twist it apart or you you know you dunk it into the milk. It just has, it's just, a, I mean, a company that's been around for a long time and has some iconic, I think, imagery to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, but again, nothing tops McDonald's. Nothing tops McDonald's. Um, again, I'm not saying for quality or, or, or the meal I want tonight, though talking about it has me craving it. I I almost got some the other day, and then I always I'd always think of uh, obviously one of the earliest episodes talking with mm. you coming to America, and the big the big Mick, and then we even went to uh, a McDonald's in Queens. Yeah, on uh, Queens ne- Boulevard. Yeah, n- near nearby where they filmed, but that was a Wendy's that they turned into the McDowell's, right? I think or something. Yeah, like that. so it wasn't that place, and it's again not even there anywhere. Or we would have maybe eaten at that Wendy's too, but we we yeah. got a. We got a big Mick because we switched the bun 
is it, what do you say? My bun has no seeds. We switched. Yeah. Uh, we had them switch the <laughs> bun, I should say, to a seedless bun, and that was fun. I haven't had a Big Mac since then. Um, that's no indictment on Big Macs. I'm sure they're great, but I remember enjoying it that day more than I expected to. Yeah, I don't know. You know, sometimes like there's certain like I I, I love like fast food and then like p- pizza and even like Chinese food. There's certain foods that I love having like like a soft drink, like a so even like fountain mm-hmm. soda, like Coca Cola with, mm-hmm. and just yeah, having like a Big Mac and then the fries being at the bottom of the bag. I think we you brought up. Uh, in that episode, how it's such a big deal. I mean, you know, this movie, we're seeing what they're making. It's a single patty. Uh, There's the burgers or the cheeseburgers. And again, they have mustard and ketchup, which I don't know when they stopped doing mustard. Some states states still put the mustard on. Oh, okay. Because I only ever remember ketchup. And when I was little, I took the pickles off because I didn't like the pickles. They've, uh, They've regionalized more. And of course, they've expanded the menu, but they've regionalized more than they did at the time here. Yeah, but just like so, growing up, it was such a big deal, like a you know, the a moment where it's just like, ooh, you know what? I'm big enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a Big Mac. It's coming of age, not really, because you're not like a teenager the first time you try it. But it is a moment in growing up and being like, I'm not eating the kids' meal anymore, or I guess a Happy Meal here. Like I'm eating yeah. a Big Mac, you know, or, or like sometimes people will transition with a quarter pounder. it's like i'm yeah i'm trading in the toy for an extra patty and part of a bun i guess (laughs) just a a couple other uh fun facts because uh just thinking of the cage club podcast network the family that we're part of this movie could have come up again could have been covered by another podcast hanks for the memories because tom hanks was offered the role of ray Kroc and turned it down uh and a little even extra fun history with that is that Michael Keaton was offered uh, the lead role in Philadelphia and turned it down, and then Tom Hanks came in. You're right. So, I was on their Philadelphia episode. I did remember that. Yeah. So a little, uh, you know, switcheroo there between Mr. Hanks and Mr. Keaton. Speaking of misters, do you want to know another really weird connection there as well? Sure. Tom Hanks recently played Mr. Rogers in... What was that movie called? Uh, it's not called Mr. Rogers. I know that. But it's like, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah, I Won't was, You Be My Neighbor. It was the documentary that came out at the same time. So. Oh. Is that the name of the documentary? Let's see. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Tom Hanks movie. One's like, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah. And, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That's the Tom Hanks it, one. Okay, yeah. And... Michael Keaton got his start in film, we'll call it, as someone working on the set for Mr. Rogers in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of synergy between these two actors. That's interesting. Good call. Very interesting. Uh, a couple of movies I read that Michael Keaton watched was uh, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Wall Street, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Jerry Maguire okay. to kind of get in the mindset. Um for him to see the money. No. Uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the writer of this movie, Robert Siegel, um, he says that this movie is akin to the social network and there will be blood. So very, um, uh, okay. You know, both, so- both very famous milkshake scenes going on. <laughs> 
I was going to say, I have that in my notes. There's four movies, actually, that I said this reminds me of so much. So it was There Will Be Blood. Exactly, right? Like, just his entrepreneurial spirit and his cutthroat attitude to get ahead. Oh, yeah. The Social Network. Um, okay, so sorry. I, I misspoke. I, I said movies, but I meant to say... Well, I guess it is a movie technically, but Steve Jobs did the same thing, right? Steve Jobs didn't invent Mac. He didn't invent Apple. It uh, was tr- yeah. It was Wozniak who did it, and he just took it to the next level. It seems like Steve Noz- Wozniak was more of the computer nerd who really enjoyed what he was making, and Steve Jobs had the vision for it, um, for better or worse, right? Some people say he's a hero and a modern saint. Some people say he's evil, you know? Um, yeah. It's so similar. and Th- That was an interesting biopic the one with the um, one with uh justin long with justin long you never saw that one it was they made like a parody one right after. oh oh for <laughs> so, a second i, I was saw. just like no there's ashton kutcher uh but yeah there's the ashton kutcher the, one fastbender michael fastbender yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's that that's good that's uh directed by uh oh god why am i Right now, I'm going to be really bad with names, of course. Uh, British filmmaker Danny Boyle. Um, yeah, directed by Danny Boyle, and I think that's a um, Aaron Sorkin screenplay. It's good, but both... I've seen all of them. Well, I haven't seen the Justin Long one. Um, I'm going to send you a message of what that one looks like. It's ridiculous. But um, it's good, but that one has a lot of, like... Like, even more than The Social Network. Like, yeah, this didn't happen, or that kind of... Uh... Oh yeah. really? I just yeah. I just meant it was an interesting biopic in, in the sense of like it shows like the multiple the different release periods. So as far as its storytelling, that's an interesting way to oh uh, yeah in that approach sense, it. In that sense, that was cool. Um, the first time I saw Steve Jobs depicted in or on screen, I guess is uh, I think it was a TNT film, Pirates of Silicon Valley, and uh, what's his name? Noah Wiley played Steve Jobs. Oh, and, okay. And it was Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, like, the two of them in the same movie. And Bill Gates similarly did was like this as well, though I think Bill Gates is more of a programmer than Jobs was. Bill Gates is definitely the ideas guy who took it to the next level. But this is tales all this time in the quote-unquote American dream. You can look at the story of many, many, many corporations, not just McDonald's, and rarely is the person who thought of like the nuts and bolts and idea of how to make it the person who takes it to the next level that's a very rare thing because i i think oh. they're, they're two different skills to have you know edison is like an exception right like edison made a lot of money in his day and also was like sweating and inventing things uh not that he was a great guy but that's another story no exactly but then like the whole war between him and tesla and everything like that is pretty mm-hmm. crazy so yeah there's just uh it's a world I will never, ever understand, or nor really want to be a part of, just because stress levels just not for me. <laughs> so, in our podcast partnership, who's the Ray Kroc and who's the McDonald's brothers? Ooh, I don't think it's applicable. I don't think it's yeah. There's. I think really... I think we are the McDonald's brothers. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe a Ray Kroc is going to come along and exploit us. There we go. That's 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 Joey. a fair statement. Joey, I'm but, talking to you. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> no. It's, no. Joey is Joey Lewandowski, the podfather, is nothing but supportive uh, to <laughs> if us. I, and, if I think of a personality, like 
and that's not oh i know joey's driven that's not what i mean but i mean in terms of like joey's not cutthroat so i want to be clear anyone don't spread that rumor that joey lundowski the pod father too fast too forever fridays are for fun all those other great shows he is not cutthroat like that i'm just kidding <laughs> but, but, but you know what's great in the end there is this movie about so either it's 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 a good thing or a bad thing or I, don't, I mean take it as as you want but like this movie is about like kind of like a uh, yeah cutthroat backstabbing kind of guy but it ends up being like an entertaining kind of has like a light mood to it it's not it's not there will be blood um you know it's not even it's not wall street it's just uh kind of like bright and easygoing it just it has the vibe of like what even fast food is oh yeah this is not a movie that leaves you with like oh man maybe it's the music and stuff it's more just like it is what it is and not in a bad way like i see both sides of the story right because it is there is some truth to that theory that ray crock was getting, you know, I'm using air quotes, screwed over because the McDonald's brothers were telling him what to do, but they weren't on the road setting up all these deals or anything like that. I mean, I don't know who's right or wrong here, but it does a great job of showing both sides of it. And I felt good after this. I felt interested. The only bad I felt is that I'm like, wow, exactly what you said before. I am probably not enough there's not enough uh, cutthroat. I'm not cutthroat enough to succeed at a Ray Kroc level. I think that's officially fair to say. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know. I don't have to look the the backbone for it. I just don't have the interest in any of that and that or just the business acumen for it. And uh, I'm very curious if like you know the way the way that they're showing this story in the movie, if the brothers gave him. The, I think he was asking for, what, 4% versus his 1% or something like that. Like, if they gave that, who, who knows the series of events? But in that point in the movie, then he's going to the bank and he's asking for more money. And that's when BJ Novak hears him and comes in. You know, like, we don't know, you know, that's, this isn't the members of Queen arguing. And then all of a sudden, John Deacon starts playing the bass line to another one bites the dust and that calms them all down they write a hit together um so you know i don't know exactly the timeline that transpired but but it is interesting that if the brothers at that point maybe gave him a bit more gave into some things earlier on if it would have been like a cohesive uh venture in these franchises i'll answer your question and i'm gonna say no and i'm gonna again the movie version at least and i'm gonna look back to what Laura Dern says oh, in the beginning. Oh, I was ju- as soon as I said it, that's exactly the scene that popped into my head. Like that, enough is never enough. Yeah, he says enough is never enough. This is just like an ambitious guy who has always tried, finally finds something. He's not going to give it up at this point. The one maybe more moment that could have changed things is if. So in real life, and it's kind of insinuated in the movie. The reason that he wants that McDonald's location to close, the reason that he goes after the brothers so hard is just like he wants just the name and everything. And he he just wants to be the founder. He wants to be known as that. And what's the one thing challenging him? The fact that there's an existing McDonald's restaurant that's not affiliated with the corporation in that town. He has insinuated, and I believe said, if I was looking up the quotes correctly, that if they would have just closed that restaurant, taken their money, and gone home, that he would have 
at least try to honor that percentage as much as possible. Because in the grand scheme of things, $100 million for McDonald's, not that much money. You know, It's a lot of money for any of us, but, but for that big corporation, not that much money. Yeah, what they each got a check for like one point three five million, and then I think, it, and then at the end it says, if they received, I think for them then it was supposed to be one percent annually or whatever, mm-hmm. and that one percent was going to translate into a hundred million dollars per year, which is just crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it would, but they they deserve it in my mind. They definitely deserve it. <laughs> yeah, they deserve. Yeah, exactly. They deserve. I mean. Way more than they, I mean, at least they're getting, you know, credit for it now, but there should be some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of reparations of some sort. I think having the surviving McDonald brother eat the whatever billionth hamburger was part of it, you know. Yeah. I, I think they've tried since then, but again, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Well, and also, I think it said that uh, Joan, uh, you know, once she she's Joan Smith Croc, and um, after Ray passed away, she donated, like, I think they were worth $1.5 billion. Point being that she donated most of their uh, their worth to, like, uh, was it the Red Cross, or I don't know. Different, I think it's Sal- you know, Salvation Army. Salvation and, Army, yeah, yeah. And somewhere so. else. But she, uh, to be fair, Joan... I guess it is important to depict her in the film because she, from everything I've read, was one of the most charitable charitable human beings on the planet. Yeah, just a, a true philanthropist. Yeah, so for all that credit, you know. They didn't, again, they didn't go through the whole Ray Kroc story. Eventually he buys the San Diego Padres, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was a big sports fan. We don't see that. But that's okay. Again, this isn't. this is the story of McDonald's. It's called The Founder, but ironically... Who is the founder, right? According to Ray, it's him. According to the McDonald's brothers, it's them because it really is. So, But what is McDonald's, I guess, is the essence of this film. Is McDonald's that one little restaurant in San Bernardino? Or is it this entire empire? So if you say it's the empire, then yeah, maybe Ray Kroc is the founder. But if it's like... Yeah, it, it is definitely more Ray's, Ray Kroc's McDonald's now more than ever. Because they don't have that quality control. <laughs> oh yeah so great so great again the little things that they depict there can i uh, i have a movie related note that i wanted to discuss briefly is that okay if i please bj novak you brought him up a bunch of times i'm not here to diss bj novak but uh, what this is what i'll say bj novak falls into the curse of the sitcom actor <laughs> it was hard for me and even people like jennifer aniston who has a successful career struggle through this it was hard for me to divorce his character from Ryan on The Office, you know? I didn't yes. feel like I was watching a new character. I thought I was watching, like... Because Ryan... Remember, what is it, season three or four? where he's, Yeah, Ryan Howard becomes in charge of the whatever, however many branches, right? Yeah, he replaces Jan, so... Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm like, don't trust this guy. He's just swindling you. Because even though he's not saying the same things, he kind of has, like, one-liners, you know? Like... Takes money to make money. He doesn't say that, but there's stuff like that, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, when he says the whole, are you in the burger, the real estate, it's like, oh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get it. I liked what they were saying, but I felt like it was Ryan Howard there. And I feel bad for him because I, I obviously he wants to do other projects. Um, Not only is 
he I guess a good actor because he was on The Office. But not only is he an actor, but he I know he's he was a writer on the show and he was a creative force behind the show. So I know he's a really creative guy, and I feel bad again. Not everyone could escape the sitcom thing, so it is tough. Yeah, he he did a pretty so he was in um, um, John Lee Hancock's other film saving mr banks and he play. it's like him and jason schwartzman play the songwriting duo for all the songs in mary poppins oh he, i could see that and he's 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 good in that because it's not like it's lighthearted, and he's just doing like you know like kind of song and dance i mean you know like enough of a different character but actually i was just listening to an episode of uh conan o'brien needs a friend and uh Darcy, um, oh, what's her last name? Car- Car- Carden? Or do you, do you watch The Good Place? Yeah, oh, I know who you're talking about. She's great. The one that plays the, the Janet, the robot, or whatever. Yeah, I love Janet, and, my hero. Yeah, and my she was saying animal. that Ted Danson, at the end of, like, you know, because the show has ended, said, whatever you do next, play something totally different. Do do that for yourself as an actor so you don't get, like, you know, I guess pigeonholed into this kind of character. Which is, you know, I mean, some people uh, look at, I mean, John Krasinski now is like an action hero between uh, what's his, his Jack Ryan portrayal. Yeah, and even, but it took a while. Yeah, t- no, it took it took a while. I mean, he was he was, uh, I think, the runner up for Captain America. What a different Mar- MCU we would have had. <laughs> Apparently but, he's been meeting with Marvel lately. That's the rumor. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe Mr. Fantastic, they're saying. Oh, that's interesting. I could see that. Yeah, take him and Emily Brunt, uh, Bl- Brunt, Blunt, uh, real wife, husband duo, and have them play. Uh, oh, that'd know? be interesting. Uh, so the actress's name is. Uh, oh wow! As soon as I got it, I didn't say. <laughs> the act. Write this down. Write this down. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. The a- the actress's name is Darcy Carden, and oh, yeah. I love her because she's also on Barry. Oh yeah, Barry's so good. Yeah, she's she's great. <laughs> I think they're making a, a League of Their Own TV series with her. Oh, that's interesting. Anything else for that you want to say for uh, the founder, Brian? No, I mean I think we covered it. It's I highly recommend it, especially if you're into foodie films and you're just into these like type of biopics. Um, I, again, and Michael Keaton is just awesome. I think if in a different world in a different time, he's nominated for things here. Yeah, this yeah this movie really didn't get any award season love. So uh... sometimes that happens. It just it is what it is. Uh, things get in vogue in different years and stuff. If this was made ten years earlier, he's nominated. The film just does a really good job showing all these like little steps and just you know a slice of like American life back then. Just the people adjusting to the McDonald's business and not knowing that they had to get out of their car and there's no trays involved. It's all in a bag. And remind, I think you brought it up on the, uh, the big night episode, but how chef Robbie Felice, when I had him on for the first cut episode, he was saying how people are coming into his Italian restaurant, but like, you know, he's mm-hmm. it's not like he's making chicken parm and the classic dishes. So it's just that learning curve, which, God knows there's a big learning curve going on right now for a lot of people. And so it's just interesting showing, like, you know, that learning curve and stubbornness and people just having to, like, adjust to something. But, it, I mean, at that point, it, what the McDonald's were doing uh, was for the better, because if that 
all that stuff truly came out. I mean, even 30 seconds is so fast. I mean, it's called fast food for a reason. I get that. But their speedy system was just incredible that you could receive, you know, a meal. And I think it was 15 cents for a burger. I mean, he orders a burger, fries, and a shake, and I think it's 35 cents. And in, and he gets it in 30 seconds. I don't think, though, that that's too impossible if the menu stayed at three items, right? Like, if that was the case. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could just keep making them because you know what, what you get. Like, if you go to McDonald's at the right time, you could get things that fast if you – not 30 seconds, God, no. But if they only knew you were coming in for a burger, then probably. <laughs> it doesn't take that long. Um, yeah, no, I, but I agree with you. The learning curve – was so cool to see because honestly it's true you you make anything that's going to change the world there's going to be a learning curve because if there wasn't it's not changing the world (laughs) well let's go ahead and talk a famous food scene and uh i know we've talked about this scene uh you know off, off the air before but that's falling down and kind of perfect that we take a fast food scene from another movie and uh even mentioned uh i mean maybe not this movie but that uh michael keaton watched wall street so we got uh michael douglas in that movie and michael douglas in falling down so we'll quick play a little clip from uh when michael douglas goes into this uh fast food joint rick Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Yeah. Yeah, well, here I am, the customer. That's not our policy. You have to order something from the lunch menu. I don't want lunch. I want breakfast. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Hey, I'm really sorry too. Get a gun! Let's get organized. Calm down. Just calm down, everybody. Sit down. Sit down over there. Hey, 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 hey. Mister, where are you going? No, 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 no. You sit down there and you finish your lunch. Come on. Everybody just, just relax and take it easy. Come on. Watch, eat your lunch, please. Eat your lunch. You all need your vitamins A's and B's and... It's an accident. It's an accident. The the trigger, it's sensitive. It's it's okay. It's all right. It's just... It's a sensitive trigger. Rick, could I have my breakfast, please? Yes, sir. Sheila? Rick, Miss Folsom. Yes, sir. Yes. You know what? You were right. I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to have some lunch. Uh, could I have a double whammy burger with cheese? You getting this? Yes, sir. And an order of whammy fries. And uh, let me see, uh, a chocolate whammy shake. Yes, sir. Sheila, get his order. Rick, could you get it for me, please? I feel more comfortable now calling you Rick after... All we've been through together. How you doing? You enjoying your meal? How about you, son? Is it good? And you, man? How's the food? I think we have a critic. <laughs> 
I don't think she likes the special sauce, Rick. That's a joke. Here we go. Thank you. See, this is what I'm talking about. Turn around, look at that. You see what I mean? It's, it's plump, it's juicy, it's three inches thick. Now, look at this sorry, miserable, squashed thing. Can anybody tell me what's wrong with this picture? Anybody? Anybody at all? So yeah, I think this place is called a, a Whammy Burger, this establishment. <laughs> Which just makes me think of Champ from Anchorman. <laughs> Whammy. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, Falling Down, a ridiculous movie, a movie that is, is a little t- tough to watch in the world that we live in now with uh, the unfortunate sheer amount of mass shootings uh, that happen. Yeah, it's weird to have a sympathetic character who essentially is the archetype of all these mass killers we've seen. Yes. And kind of racist. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, all but... that aside... Exactly, all that aside, and entertaining, and a little bit of... Uh, brings up certain points that need to be brought up. But no, uh, no. but th- this this scene just saying... Like, haven't you heard the customer's always right? I mean, you know, and... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like we were saying before, just the quality of McDonald's now or us sub, you know, Subway sandwiches. As a as a guy that, you know, has worked years at a delicatessen, nothing hurts me more than seeing the pitiful sandwiches that Subway sandwiches makes. Um so, and... so they should have kept Jared? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Boy, hitting all the notes today. <laughs> um... Controversial episode on foodie films. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this scene just depicts that, I mean, you know, the just being totally upset with the quality, just the, you know, this pitiful patty that's on it and kind of what kind of what ray Kroc uh when he goes when he brings it to the golf course or whatever and shows them and just like uh, look at this you know three pickles on this and then look at this lettuce <laughs> like it's just droop, <laughs> droopy lettuce um I, a ridiculous I get, scene yeah i love the scene though um look the movie again has its flaws it has its problems in the prism of today for sure however i think while we I hope, check ourselves before we get to this moment. I think everyone's had the fantasy of just having this kind of moment. Maybe not, like, with a gun and, and stuff like that. No, but, but just like, having this the, the control, the attention of this moment to call people out on, like, what clearly just should be, you know, tr- you know, like, this, this product should be treated better. People these days are like, oh, Twitter and social media is terrible because it gives the voiceless of voice and sometimes the voiceless is assholes, right? Like just like people who are racist or people who are terrible. And I know we have not stopped the shootings and stuff like that. So I want to be clear when I say this, it's sometimes though good that people can express themselves on Twitter rather than in a situation like this, 
because this is scary. However, it is also entertaining, especially when you just watch the clip of it. We're not watching the full film. We're not. Do- this isn't foodie films falling down. You know, this is just <laughs> us watching this clip, and it is an iconic food clip. And we've all been there too. I don't care. Maybe you pretend you don't eat fast food, but. The breakfast at fast food places like McDonald's breakfast, I love a good McDonald's breakfast. I don't have it that often, but I'll take an Egg McMuffin. Egg McMuffins are dope. And when you show up and it's after breakfast time, like now it's easier because we have our phones and stuff like that and our lives are a little different. But I remember being a kid and you wanted to get McDonald's breakfast and showing up. And you, there's that scene in Big Daddy, too. I don't know if you've had... Oh, yeah. I don't think we've covered that scene. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say... Track. That's a scene you got to cover if you haven't, because that is a great one, too. But it's so similar in terms of like, oh, man, just he's what like and this is not something you guys are going to hear in a clip. But he looks at his watch and he's like three minutes, right? Like yeah. off of uh, when it should be. And you're like, come it's 1030 on or something like that. Right. Yeah. How hard would it be to I think it's 1130. It doesn't matter. How hard would it be to just make his whatever he wanted? I forgot exactly what it was called. But no. Nope, the, them's the rules. And again, very Ray Kroc, very similar to this, very McDonald's Brothers. If, if that's a certain rule, you don't break it for anything. Sorry. Shouldn't, this shouldn't happen. You should keep your emotions in check. But it is <laughs> funny. Like, I, I wish Falling Down ended with him just, like, realizing that, oh, this was just a dream. I know just a dream endings are stupid, but if it was real life, like, this is, like, some fantasies I know people have but don't do, and it's better they stay fantasies. Still, great scene. Thank you for making me watch it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's yeah. Just... <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a real it's a fun role as far as like acting goes. Like it's a fun role for like an actor to like chew on, and 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 Michael Douglas does such a phenomenal job with it. Uh, look, I'm not a fan of like doing this kind of switch up. Like I don't know who watched What Men Want, you know the What Women Want reboot but let's do that right <laughs> let's have what's her name oh god uh, she her name's blanking right now she's it's in hidden Tur- Tur- taraj right taraj henderson right yeah let's have right. her star, star in a falling down remake you know and and she could be mad at whatever she wants like you don't have to have the same plot but like i want maybe not with the guns and stuff but like let's get some rampage from a per a woman of color that would be good. That would because I think, I think a human emotion is to have this kind of rage, and I think maybe you know Reagan esque misplaced um, white man anger <laughs> isn't the hottest thing to do right now. So falling down is probably not <laughs> the most popular movie right now, but it's a natural emotion. Let's see it with a person of color. Yeah, let's just get every. Creed, color, religion. Let's just get them. Let's get falling down. The Everyone anthology. deserves one. Everyone deserves yeah. one. You're right. I like where you're going with this, Kyle. Everyone deserves one. Everyone deserves a falling down. And we've only yeah. Had the, there should the be white falling down. Uh, was it just uh, earlier in a group chat that um, Mr. Joey Lewandowski was telling me to watch High Maintenance and you know the anthology series? And uh, yeah, so maybe oh. we need falling down the anthology series. I like it from perspective. Even a child one, you know. Like yeah. a child tantrum, you know, like everything. Oh, I want everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, all. exactly. And they all don't need to be. It could just be like losing your cool. It doesn't all have to be like gun related because that would just be like I think an overload. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, well, take the guns out. It's just like explosions like this. Everyone deserves one 
fantasy moment in films to look back on and be like, man, I wish I had that falling down moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really don't have, um, you know, you've been on numerous times now. I've had some different questions besides my usual gut instincts. I, I really don't... Um, have one ready but we we kind of did a question in the beginning of just what we're looking forward to when uh all this is over and we get back to a little bit of normalcy so um just hopefully some you know trips whether they're local or uh i i know uh between your wife and my girlfriend we're talking about an eventual trip to mexico city so it's just the the, the dreams and the and the hopes for for those uh food adventures i guess Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, this remind and again, not comparing it to this great tragedy, but it reminds me of the long night in Game of Thrones, right? Like where they talked about like kids never saw the daylight, and he, <laughs> I think the last book that's supposed to come out is called A Dream of Spring. I have a dream of just eating food again with my friends and having a good time. Uh, yeah, just like a little pat on the back, a little laughter here, a little you know. The other day, I had to move my car in the morning because they've suspended alternate side parking. But we have a farmer's market, food-related, so it's not completely you know, unrelated. <laughs> but the farmer's market still goes on every Saturday. But if you're parked on the street of the farmer's market, you got to move your car by 6 a.m. And I noticed that my cousin who lives near me, he had parked on that street too. And I, you know, I texted him, and I was looking forward to him. I'm like, hey, I'll see you at 6 a.m. tomorrow you know, to move our cars. And it was one of the most glorious like hangouts I've had in a while. We just got in our cars, moved our cars. We found a spot near each other. We walked back, and it wasn't long, but I'm like, wow, if this feels good, could you imagine just like having a party? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hugger, and I know that's going to be taboo. I just, you know, I just want to hug, hug some of my friends. I want to have a beer. I need some <laughs> peanuts. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a great party. You're a great host. just peanuts beer hugs are you familiar with the concept of cuddle puddles cuddle puddles i can't i i i can assume what they are but i've never heard that uh phraseology before big deal in brooklyn these well not these days but before uh coronavirus like you know there's so many like kink and weird stuff that it doesn't always have to get weird there are groups and there are parties where it's just like let's all let's all cuddle let's all platonically you know we're just gonna go somewhere we're just gonna cuddle in a group you know and maybe you'd be down you know i'm not a really touchy-feely guy so maybe not me but maybe yeah i I do not imagine you in a cuddle puddle no maybe not i don't want to be in a cuddle puddle either that's too much (laughs) like it's one thing to be like you know like yeah like hugging standing up but like i don't know i don't want a cuddle puddle Hey, I'm just putting it out there. Putting it out. Which I'm there. not shaming. That's that's just it's no. Just it sounds not... cool. I wish I was comfortable enough to be. Well, into that's what puddles. was happening at all of Larson's parties, right in Brooklyn. <laughs> Has now he even been on the cu- show? Cuddle puddle and the Catskills. No, I have to have Larson on Foodie Films. Yeah, you do. You do. You were recently on my podcast, my other podcast, not. P.S. I love Hoffman. You're always on that with me because it's your show too. But uh, High School Slumber Party, where of course we talk about high school films, and we've been going twice a week as 
you know, and that's been fun during this quarantine. It's been more work, but I've had more time and I've been able to knock out some really cool projects. And I bring it up because, again, you were on it recently for The Substitute with the aforementioned Christian Larson. And you're going to be on it again soon, too, because, again, love having you on. We love having these conversations. And thank you for having me on Foodie Films. Yeah, this was this was fun. This is uh, I know there are so many movies, you know, food movies that we both enjoy, and I know I will have you on for. But th- this one was brought up. I feel like not too long ago, and I'm like, yeah, like that. I mean, I, this was just I haven't met someone that doesn't like this, doesn't like the founder. So I was really happy to revisit it and uh, talk about it with you. So thanks for coming on, uh, and if you don't mind, just. Uh, Closing us out. Stay uncool, Hoff fans. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm joking, joking. There's always more to cut. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good enough to eat thing, and it's just a while.